Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper podcast. I'm Grace Atwood. And I'm Becca Freeman. And we have an amazing guest for you today. We have my quarantine Instagram obsession, Grossy Pelosi with us. Welcome to Gross on Paper, the experience. Yeah, people were confused about calling it Gross on Paper. Someone was like, that's a Freudian slip. I'm like, no, it's not. This is the name of the episode. No, it's the best thing that's ever happened to you, listener. Get ready. But before we bring on Dan, let's have some us time. Yeah. So what's your high this week? Oh, my God. So my high is that I heard the close to final cut of the first episode of the second season of Rom-Com Pods, and it comes out in October, and it is so good. I listened to it three times last night. <laughs> I was so excited. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. I she, you sent, she sent it to me, and I have not had a free minute to do anything, but I can't wait to listen. Oh my God, I'm so excited. It is so good. I think it is fully, it is much better than the first season. I'm, oh my God, I'm so excited. And now I'm, I want to share it with everyone, but it's the only one that's done. So if we released it, it would be like, here's episode one. You'll have to wait three weeks for episode two. So obviously we're not doing that, but it's making me very excited for October. So I'm like out of my mind excited for that. And then My other high is that um, last weekend, which was Labor Day weekend, I did nothing. I did not get dressed. I did not leave my house. Well, I went on a walk, but I just read books and I started a new show. It was so nice and relaxing. That's literally all I want because I did not have that. And I'm we're, we're on highs and I'm like getting into lows. I'm just feeling so emotionally depleted. And all I want is some grace time. And I don't know when I'm gonna get it. Maybe next weekend. It almost sounds like you're saying you want to masturbate. You're like, I just need some grace time. Oh, that's no, that's (laughs) not what I meant. (laughs) What is your high before you start talking about your, your myriad of lows based on the form here? My high is that I found my dining chairs. So I really wanted vintage Marcel Brewer Seska chairs and I need six of them. And it's really hard to get six matching ones because all of them look slightly different and this and that. So I've been back and forth with all these different sellers on first dibs and trying to find them. And I found them. That's and amazing. Coming in a couple of weeks. So I'm really excited because they just like, I would find them and then they would sell out. Like it, it's just hard, especially because I do want to get vintage ones versus buying them new because you can buy them new and they're beautiful new. But I think that, I don't know if older furniture is just the way to go. Well, I don't know what these look like based on the name, but I'm very excited to see them in person. They're really beautiful. They're like, um, there's they're black with caning and you know how much I love caning. I do know. Yeah. So that's exciting. And then Amazon... This week, we're finalizing the samples and starting to shoot the fall collection, but I'm also designing a line of summer staples for them, and the staples are great because they are available for longer. Um, They're not just for, like, the 30-hour drop, so we're doing, like, summer caftans. Ooh, exciting. Yeah, and they'll be all solid colors, like, no prints or anything crazy, but just, like, that green caftan, like, I love that so much, so I want to do it in, like, a black or, like, a navy blue. And maybe like a fun fire red orange. So it's been fun working on that. Ooh. So a lot going on, which is good. And then I've been really consistent with Melissa Wood Health. So that is another high. So I feel like, do you want to just go right into your lows? I feel like you have a lot you need to get off your chest. 
I think it's because I hurt my neck like two days ago. It's all through my shoulders and my neck and I'm just like in chronic pain. And I feel like when you have that, it just affects your mentality, like not sore legs or arms. But if I have something wrong with my neck, like it's hard to turn my neck. I'm just like slightly physically miserable. I broke down and I got a massage because it, it hurt so bad and that helped a little bit. I've been doing stretches and I have my Theragun and I might go get acupuncture when I get back from this weekend, but like everything hurts. Well, I'm sorry. It, like it almost makes me feel like I have a fever and then I start to think I have COVID, but this is just me being a hypochondriac. So there's that. And then I just feel like really depleted. I just feel like every time I think I'm going to get some me time, somebody needs something from me. Like I've had a lot of last minute things where I end up having to work till like nine or 10. And like, I really just want to take a bath and read a book, but between work and just other stuff, I haven't been able to. Um, and just as an introvert, like that's how I recharge my batteries. So I feel like I'm just kind of running on empty. The other thing is like, as an influencer or self-employed person, anyone else who's a contractor can relate. Getting paid can be so hard. I just had to fill out four forms to get paid for like a single Instagram post. And I was just like, why did I even work with this brand? Like I just spent an hour completing paperwork for something so small. So I'm just grumpy. I'm sorry. I'm feeling really bitter also because I'm going away with my sisters this weekend, which is going to be great. But I just feel like when it's just you – it can be so hard to take any sort of time off. Like I have to get all of the sponsored content done and, and sent to brands. And then I have to get all of my blog posts written just for those days that I'm not here. But it's just, I feel overwhelmed. I feel annoyed. I just need, I need a vacation. I'm getting that this weekend. So that's good. Well, I really hope oh. that Camp Counselor Grace whips you into shape and yes. improves your mood. I mean, like craft time, that sounds like awesome. I can't wait for craft time. Also, we were shooting a sponsored post for Sephora. And do you want to know what happened? You know what happened. Listeners, do you want to know what happened? A cockroach fell off of the ceiling and into my bed. I am so over the cockroaches in this old building. We had the exterminator come today. We all did. Becca had him too. But it's just, it's so infuriating. We're all so clean and it's so gross. I'm sorry. Yeah. So that's where I am right now. How about you? Um, I don't have a major low. My low is that I actually ended up working through Monday of the three-day weekend by accident. I sat down at my computer at 9 a.m. and I was like, oh, I'll feel better if I just uh, get a couple things done and, and out of the way so I don't have to worry about them. And then all of a sudden it was like three and I was like, well, I've already worked most of the day. Might as well keep working. So that was a bummer. <laughs> I want to try to take off. I, ca- I can't take off this Friday, but I'm hoping maybe I can take off next Friday as like a makeup day to myself. So that was a bummer. Yeah. I also worked, but I do have this long weekend, hopefully coming up. Hopefully. I'm just, I'm just really tired. I'm sorry. But it'll be okay. I, I hate being a downer. Well, let's get some positivity in our life. Let's talk to Dan. Yes, let's. I can't wait. Guys, the moment you've been waiting for is finally here. It is gross on paper. The crossover that you didn't know you needed except for the few of you that did know and have been anxiously awaiting this. So today we have Dan Pelosi, who is one of our favorite people to follow on Instagram. He's the creator behind the account Grossy Pelosi, where he shares his recipes, travels, cookbooks, and more. And you might not realize this, but by day, he's also a creative director at Ann Taylor Brands. Dan, we cannot wait to talk all about food and everything, mostly food. I can't. 
I also can't wait. This is, I've been waiting for this. Like, it's so exciting. And I love the story of how we all sort of came to be together. And it's just so exciting that other people want us to be together as well. (laughs) Dan, first things first. So a lot of people are very confused. They think that your name is Grossy. It's not Grossy. It's clearly Dan. Where did the name Grossy Pelosi come from? Um, that's so funny. I love that they think my name is Grossy. I also think it's so funny that I have this like food thing where like Grossy is how people know me, which is like kind of the opposite of what you'd want. But um, <laughs> it started <laughs> It started in college, actually. So I'm old. Um, and the movie uh, Never Been Kissed with Drew Barrymore came out when I was in college. And in that movie, she is called um, Josie Grossy by oh, yeah. whatever the like bullies or whatever. So my friends, I spent like a, a winter abroad. I went to Amsterdam and I called back to like my dorm and all my friends were having a party and they were, you know, doing whatever they were doing that made them not of the right mind. And they all, when I called, had decided that, that when I picked up, they were going to chant Grossy Pelosi as a way to sort of just like make fun of me in a loving way. And I thought it was hysterical and it just stuck. So for the past like now 20 years, I've been called Grossy Pelosi by a, a growing group of people. And so I always just used Grossy Pelosi as like my friendster thing and then Facebook. And then I, when I joined Instagram, I was like, obviously it's Grossy Pelosi. And then now people just call me Grossy, which is hysterical. And so it's just stuck and it's like never going to go away. You know, it's like Ina Garten and Barefoot Contessa. I always joke in the most humble way possible. <laughs> <laughs> but it is not your given name. No, my given name is Dan. So there we go. We've we've cleared the air for everyone who was deeply confused. That's amazing. I love it. Um, I feel like like the two questions that confused people the most were, is his real name Grossi? And are we dating? And I... Me and you? Yeah. Oh my God, a Matt. That would be the fucking best. Like, could you just... I would be... That would be great. It would take care of so many problems in our lives. It would be the best. (laughs) It would be the best. It's probably not going to happen maybe. unless there's like a thruple situation. I'm super open. I have no boundaries. So, oh, great. Yeah, so, me, it. you, and a guy who's like bi who likes to eat and is like a dreamboat. We have to compare our type. I, have a, I think I have a few of those following me. <laughs> what I'm reading in my DMs. So, um, that could be great. This is gone. You guys want me to go? I feel yeah. like maybe, maybe. This has gotten I mean, pretty creepy. You haven't asked if you could be our third yet, so um, go for it. We'll see what we, see what we say. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. Not interested. Okay. Grace just logged off. So wait. So your Instagram is very much about food. And I want to know, can you yeah. tell us a little bit about how you got started cooking? Yes. Um, So I always tell people that my childhood was just like spent in the kitchen. I grew up around like I'm Italian and Portuguese. That's my Italian American, Portuguese American. My family from every angle was just talking about food and cooking. So my mom was a weekend cook. My dad cooked during the week. Um, Bimpy and my grandma Catherine were cooking nonstop. Their whole basement is a kitchen. Um, which is sort of like what Italian-American families do. They're either like their garage or their basement or both becomes like the real kitchen. And then the regular kitchen just is there to heat, heat up food. Um, so they were always cooking. Uh, my, my mom's mom also cooked. My mom's sister cooked a lot. Like everyone was just cooking. So that was just the culture of, of my childhood. And I was always like on the countertop or there's these stairs going down to Bimpy's 
kitchen that I would sit on and chat with him. And then eventually when I got old enough, I got my hands in there. And it was just like, that's just how I, how I grew up. I never wanted to do anything else besides like hang out and be in the kitchen. Like, like I am now constantly. So I feel like you're constantly cooking for people too. Has that always been your default state since you like went to college and left home? So that really started, so my family always had gatherings every Sunday, Friday night was at one grandparent, Sunday was at another grandparent. And then we were always having like, my friends in college were like, how is it someone's birthday every like weekend of like our semester? Because I was always driving back to Connecticut for like someone's birthday because it was like, I needed to go eat the food. Um, (laughs) But when I, (laughs) but when I um, moved, when I spent a year in Italy, in Rome, when I was in college, we had like a palazzo there and there was three giant kitchens there was 30 of us so like 10 of the people were like became sort of my friends and I would every day I was like the cook I was cooking huge meals for everyone and I my mom came to visit actually halfway through the year and she was like I cannot believe like you have everyone in this kitchen has this designated job they're all working for you someone's chopping someone's stirring someone's making this happen someone's making that happen and they're just like totally on it so that year where we were like suddenly without a cafeteria I became like mom which is what people still sort of call me that's sort of when I grew into this sort of like uh, person who was always like sort of cooking for others and hosting and doing that it was great I love that yeah it was an amazing year Um, and I used all these tools that I didn't know I had you know I mean cooking for 10 is is not that's an undertaking it totally is and I was like I don't know what I was doing, but I still don't know what I'm doing. Like, I'm still just doing it without question. Like, there's so many things in my life that I question. This is not one of them. It's just like what I do. You Th- know, that's one of the things I like about your cooking content. You're like, well, we'll try it. You know, it's like very oh, yeah. like low stakes, which I think makes me feel more comfortable to trying things that I haven't tried. Yeah, I hear that all the time. Like, people are obsessed. I don't know what happened in the world of cooking. People are obsessed with like the right mayonnaise, the right way to do this, the one thing, like, is that right? Is it wrong? And they ask me all the time. And I'm like, I don't like, you just got to do what works for you. And like, you have to allow yourself to screw up and have it not be perfect and have it not be pretty. Like, food is food. You know, if you're cooking, you're making food, like, no one has to qualify it for you at all. And that kind of is like, something I've been saying a lot um, since COVID started, because people are cooking for the first time, and they want to know if they're doing it right. And it's like, did you eat it? Then great. Do you like it? (laughs) Yeah. So hopefully people that are getting that message from me and that's something that I expressly try to convey. So, so you never went to like culinary school. You've just, you're completely self-taught. I never went to culinary school, although when I was in high school, it was on my list of schools to uh, look at. And I did go to like the culinary Institute of America in, in upstate New York to look at that. And I was sort of torn between all these creative outlets, which I still am torn between all those creative outlets. I ended up going to um, to RISD, which is a design school, um, to study what I thought was going to be graphic design, and I transitioned to architecture and interiors. But um, I think that you know, I was I was thinking about this, and like I remember my mom was telling me about one of her friends whose son went to culinary school, and he like in the first year gained like sixty pounds. And I just remember being like, oh, my God, like, I suddenly like saw myself just like, being, <laughs> like going to culinary school and instead of gaining like the freshman 15, gaining like the freshman 100. And like, had I known that I was going to grow into like a teddy bear as an adult, I probably wouldn't have been as worried. But at the time, I was sort of like, young and knew that I was gay and was worried about like not being this like, whatever gay physical body stereotype that I thought I would have to magically turn into. And so that really kind of like scared me. But you know, like I said, here we are. And I'm happily a little bit of a teddy bear which is nice 
Now, <laughs> how did you start sharing all of this online? Because and when? Because Becca pulled this stat, which I find interesting. You have almost eleven thousand posts on Instagram. For to benchmark that, I have been a professional influencer since Instagram launch, and I only have seven thousand. And Becca <laughs> only has five hundred. Yes. So. What are you so, doing? How? What, is what are you doing? You know, you know what? Becca, was there a what? year where you just posted like three thousand photos? Basically every year. I mean, I my my closest friends are like have been de- desperately worried about me for a long time <laughs> in terms of my, my posting. Actually, my best friend Tom, I got to his wedding a couple of years ago, and I was like, I'm so excited! I'm going to post all these photos of your wedding, and he was like, Oh yeah, I probably should start following you. And I was like, wait, you don't follow me? And he was like, no, I, it's impossible. I can't follow you. Like, you post so many photos. It's so annoying. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay, that was like sort of a wake-up call. But, like, I just am an oversharer. Like, I'll talk your ear off. I'll feed you till you're like, you know, you can't breathe. And then here we are. I will post a million photos on Instagram because I'm like, everyone clearly wants to know what's happening. It wasn't until, like, the end of last year when I was like, maybe if I edited my content, things might <laughs> might, like, pick up. Um, turns out that worked. And I still post. My stories are kind of like short films some days. I love your stories. But so would you post like three or four times in one day? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was psychotic and I loved it. What's the most you've ever posted? Oh, I've probably like, I mean, I definitely like if I was going away for a weekend to like Fire Island in the summer, there would be like over four days. It might be like 25 posts. Like... (laughs) It was I just, love it. Was yeah, it always it was, food or was it also just life? No. So I, prior to like December of last year, posted everything. I posted like my friends, my family, like something I thought that was pretty. I posted my apartment. I was just like, whatever made me laugh and made me happy, I just shared. Um, it's kind of like your public camera roll. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It, it was. And I, you know, um, People were always like, oh, you should really focus on food. And I was like, why would I ever do that? Like, there's so much more to me than that. You know, like, I need to show my whole, you know, this whole dramatic, whatever idea of what my life was. And then I just, I finally decided it was, and it was time to sort of edit and see what could happen. And then I did that um, in December. And now here we are, which really worked out for me. So I also feel like your following grew a ton during quarantine. Yes. So this, this was really, this is, really, really amazing and interesting. And I, I consider myself one of the luckiest girls in the world because basically like as soon as I started working from home, which like how lucky was I to be able to work from home, I was really a weekend cook. So on the weekends, I would spend the whole weekend in the kitchen and that's when I would share. And in January of this year, I started like really saying like, okay, food only, let's see what happens. I started posting my recipes and as highlights. And so by the time middle of March came, I looked like a, like a solid food account. So then um, people were following me as I cooked like three meals a day in between my day job was storing them and giving kind of like, here's how to stock your pantry. Here's how to make a quick lunch. Here's what to do with your eggs. Let's reheat your pasta the next morning. Like here's how to make a pot of beans that'll get you through the week. So people were just like really loving it and loving kind of like the way that I was telling it. And so my following grew and then I worked for Loft and they were like, hey, we would love to start sharing your recipes on our Instagram because like every other brand, they were like, what are we going to do? You know, everyone's at home. Let's make this more relevant. So I was like, sure. So then Loft started sharing and a bunch of really great um, 
you know, influencers started sharing my stuff and, and, you know, Grace uh, was one of them and Becca, you as well. And it's like, you know, the more people share me, the more people find me and then they share me with their friends. And so it just kind of grew and it, it's been really lovely. Um, super, super lucky from it. It's so. been really fun watching your account grow and also watching people I, that I follow share your recipes. And I'm like, I knew about him first. Like, <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of territorial. Yeah, I feel a little bit territorial. But Becca is the one who taught me about you. So I can't take the credit there. Yeah, and then Becca found me through Emma. um, Yeah. Emma Things, who is Emma's thing, which is one of my, she's one of my close friends. Oh, yeah. We had Emma as a guest at our Dallas live show. Yes, you did. She's she's the best. And also my dad's girlfriend's daughter, Adrian. Hi, Adrian. She listens to you guys every week. She texted me and was like, you're on my favorite podcast. They're talking about you. They talk about you all the time. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I didn't know anything about you guys. So that's when I sort of found out about you. And then I was like, this is just wild. Like I was just popping up everywhere. It was, it was really cool. It's so full circle. It's really, yeah. yeah. I think one of the things that drew me to you, I mean, first of all, it was just COVID and I was like, oh, wow, I'm cooking. I'm going from having a pretty active social life where I'm eating out of the house, you know, three to four nights a week to like, oh, I'm cooking seven meals. No. Yeah. Yeah. Seven dinners a night, like at home. And I was like, I need new things to cook, like new people to be inspired by, et cetera. And so I found you. But also, I think what drew me to you is that you're so freaking positive. You're just like a ray of light. But I'm I'm wondering, is like this your natural disposition? <laughs> Have you like worked at that? And like, um, especially during the dumpster fire of 2020. So I think like my Instagram has always been like what I consider to be like funny. I don't know if it was inherently positive. It was never negative. But I think that positivity is such an easy thing to do. It's completely free and everyone is capable of it. Um, and so I think that as the COVID situation started happening and people were really having a rough time, they saw my humor and my sort of journey in the way that I shared is being inherently positive. And so then they were coming to me and it became this kind of like share of positivity, like people telling me that I was getting them through the day, through the week, a meal. I was their first time cooking and I made it approachable for them. It became really clear to me that it was going to be like super important for me to just be this source of positivity for people. And that for me just happens to be like natural and easy. Um, so I cut out a little bit of like maybe some of the stuff that might've been a little bit more I don't know, less positive, but it really isn't, it wasn't that hard and it felt very natural. And I don't think that I'm really editing myself. Um, I like sort of started this like second Instagram that I was like, oh, I'll use this for all my, and I, I, have, I never use it. I don't touch it. I use everything that you see on Grossy is stuff that I want to share. And I think that it feels really good to, to have people say that it's a source of positivity for them. Okay. So should we take a quick ad break? Let's do it. We are really excited as today's sponsor is a brand new one. It's Bombas and they make the most comfortable socks ever. Yes, Bombas has literally rethought every single little detail of the socks we wear to make them more comfortable. They are seriously my favorite socks. I bought them to wear when I was spinning as workout socks, but now they're the only socks that I wear. And I've also got the no-show socks and I've got some of the winter socks and I've I've completely overhauled my sock wardrobe because there are just no socks that are as comfortable as these. Yeah, they're really the best. I personally love the no-show socks. They're great for running and for the gym. I just don't like the way that socks look with sneakers unless you're like going for that like intentional sock look, which apparently is cool, but it's 
it's too cool for me. And the other thing I actually love are the compression socks. I just feel like they feel really good, especially either snuggling up at home or of course, when you're traveling and you're on the plane, whenever that happens again, I used to keep a pair of the compression socks in my carry-on. Oh, I've never tried compression socks. It makes a difference because my feet and my ankles, especially for a really long trip, will swell up. Like I remember once I flew to Europe and I took my my socks and my shoes off and then I, I would put cashmere socks on. And when I <laughs> when we landed, I couldn't get my my boots to zip back up. Oh, my God. That's never happened to me. So compression socks will fix that. Okay. Yeah. Um, but Bombas does more than keep our feet comfy and cozy, they also help give back to some of the most vulnerable members of our community. Yeah. So for every pair of socks you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. And to date, they've donated over 34 million pairs of socks and counting. I had to read that twice. 34 million? That is so major. So for every pair of socks you buy, you also are doing good with your purchase. And with a nationwide network of 3,000 plus giving partners. I think the impact here is even more powerful than ever. And to those experiencing homelessness, these socks represent the dignity of just putting on clean clothes. So it's a small but important comfort. I love this. I love the socks, but I also love their mission. And I love that we have a code for you. So give a pair of socks when you buy a pair and get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash B-O-P. So that's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash B-O-P for 20% off your first purchase. Bombas.com slash B-O-P. Seriously, guys, I I know we recommend a lot of things, but these are the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. You should really try these if you haven't. They're the best socks ever. And now back to the episode. So Dan, another project you've been working on during quarantine is your This Too Shall Pasta teas, which we both love. I need to order one. Can you tell us more about those? He's wearing uh, one right to. now. <laughs> I love the happy spoon. Yes, the little smiley spoon. My friend Philip, who went to Japan um, a couple of years ago, came back with this smiling spatula, which Japan is one of my favorite places. And it's like the most Japanese thing in the entire world. So I use it constantly. And so like I was sort of saying, like the sort of like being this source of positivity, people were also kind of like really just engaging in these ways. Like they were like, you know, we want more from you. We want merchandise. Like you should, we want grossy this, make a grossy hat, make this. And I was like, wow, like people want me to sell stuff that's like of my brand, which is just like, you know, amazing. So I was like, okay, I need to sell something that would be great. And I want to sell it to support a really good cause. Um, So Laying in bed late one night, a million puns were going through my head as they normally do. Um, And I was like, I came up with this sort of like this too shall pasta saying. And I was like, wow, that's really kind of like hitting the nail on the head of what I'm doing here, which I think is using food as a connector and a way to get um, people through what's happening. We're creating this community. We're talking about food. And that is allowing people to figure out a path to make it through COVID and to survive. And so I was like, okay, that would be a really great shirt to set a slogan on a shirt to sell. And then I was thinking about sort of who it could benefit. And two of the things that I really like sort of focus on are LGBTQ plus issues. And then also like elder people. Bimpy is like a huge part of my brand. He's my grandfather. He's 98. He's like the entire source of happiness. Um, in my in sort of my food life and also just my life in general and so i thought about sage which is an organization that i knew about which has a program called sage table 
Um, Sage Table is a yearly dinner party that happens across the country, and they encourage people to host parties where they bring together um, younger LGBTQ community and elder LGBTQ community to have a dinner party where those people come together, they meet, they eat, they have conversations with, and the idea is that those conversations sustain relationships that provide support to both communities throughout the whole year. And I love that because it's like everything I stand for in one event. And so when COVID happened, I was like, well, you know, elder LGBTQ community are extremely self-isolated. They're um, are twice more likely to be single and four times less likely to have children. So they just are not, you know, being supported at this time in the way that a lot of other people are. So I reached out to them and I was like, I want to donate merch. And they were like, that would be, or profits from these teas. And they said that would be amazing. So in, I sold a round of merch in the spring and we donated $14,000, which was well, well, well beyond what I thought I would be able to donate. And so I feel super grateful to everyone to purchase. And then people throughout the summer were asking for it to come back. So we just relaunched on September, uh, September 1st and we're selling through the month. So if you want some product. We have tote bags, hoodies, baby clothes, kids clothes this time as well. Um, and all of the proceeds go to Sage, um, which is just an incredible organization. You can also donate directly to Sage on my website as well if you're interested. Um, they have been feeding, I think they did like over 3,000 meals this summer to people in New York City every month, which um, part of that was from the money that we donated, which just like makes my heart swell. So that's amazing. That's so cool. I also feel like there's been a trend of tie-dyeing the This Too Shall Pasta t-shirt. So I need to order mine, and then I need to learn how to tie-dye. I need to learn how to tie-dye, too. I have two people. One is my ex-boyfriend, Phil, uh, who goes by OK Word. He's adorable, and we love him. And him and his new boyfriend came over. We're all friendly. And I was like, I'm cooking you dinner. You're tie-dyeing my shirts. He did an incredible job. And then my friend Amanda, who I worked with at Loft, she was our incredible stylist. She is also a tie-dye person. So I've been sending people to them for all their tie-dye content. And I do have my Phil's like recommended tie-dye kit on my website as well on the grocery list, which is a great place for people to go to see all my favorite stuff um, as well. So when you're ready to tie-dye, Becca, you can buy the dye from the grocery list. I will, <laughs> but, I, I, but I also need tips. I will tips. make a penny from it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy um, to support, but I need the pro tips as well. So I'll have to follow oh, some yeah. of these people and like... Well, Get the- Phil's TikTok is pretty major, and he's got how-tos on there. So oh, okay. You'll love it. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Maybe, I ha- yeah. maybe I have to buy a couple shirts because I don't see myself getting it right the first time. I did one where you kind of like splatter, like you tie it up kind of crazy, and then you just splatter color around, and it's sort of like this different kind of tie-dye, which has felt very easy and very simple. That was, that was fun. Okay. Maybe you just need to release the expectations and just enjoy it. No, I get very intense about craft projects, like very intense. (laughs) I love that. It needs to be perfect. You're a Pinterest girl. Something people might not realize is that your Instagram and your blog and all the cooking you do is not your day job. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about about what you do? It's actually something that I'm not sure if I I realize as well. Um, (laughs) um, I do, I've been working in retail uh, at, at big uh, retail brands, um, meaning sort of like mass retail brands for a while. I started working at Gap when I moved to San Francisco out of college and I've worked, I worked for them for years and then I was at an agency and I was a creative director working for brands like Nike and Converse and, um, and others. And then I've been with the Ann Taylor brands for the past seven years and I'm a creative director doing marketing and windows and store environment and sort of brand experience stuff. So we've done a lot of really cool things. Probably my favorite project and why I was hired was launching the Lou and Gray brand, which hopefully a lot of your followers are familiar with. Um, Oh yeah. 
yeah, uh, they, unfortunately, due to COVID, we've suffered a ton of losses, as has the entire industry. So my favorite little um, Lou and Gray store on Fifth Ave um, in New York uh, closed, but Lou and Gray is available on the Lost website now. So just in case anyone's listening, um, it's great product. And it's been, I've been part of so many amazing projects that I love. And um, it's just been amazing. And I love my team. Like my team that I work with is great. So I'm super lucky. I'm still working. I'm able to work from home. I'm able to do both things. It's amazing. And correct me if I'm wrong, but if you've been to a Lou and Gray store, that's your baby. You've, you kitted out the the design of a Lou and Gray store, right? Yes. Those are my, those are my, that was what they hired me to do. All those stores were from me or being my team. So yeah, that's what I, that's what I did. It was amazing. Because I know before I knew you, I've personally walked into a Lou and Gray store. I've been like, it's so cute in here. And you're the man behind the magic. <laughs> that was me. Yeah. They hired me to build out all the stores and work on the store design. And eventually we had like 15 stores. Um, across the country, which was great. Um, and we did a lot of really, we did this pop-up at the Grove in LA that was so cute. Oh my God, we did so much cute stuff. It's so sad what's happening to retail right now and in COVID, but um, you know, there'll be new fun things to come, so. Well, let's get into the cooking talk. I feel like, so we put out the call for questions on Instagram and the topics that. and the questions that people submitted, it feels like everyone is feeling very beaten down by quarantine. They're like uninspired about cooking. They're like feeling blah. So I think let's inspire them. Well, you, not me. I'm just going to ask you the questions. <laughs> all right, let's do this. I mean, I'm getting the, all, a lot of questions and I have been in my DMs already. So I'm so down to talk about this stuff. It's, it's my favorite. Okay. So what would you say is your most popular recipe? Okay, so I have two. Okay. Um, the original one is my chocolate chip cookie recipe. Um, this is a recipe that I've been making for probably like 15 years. Um, it's really like, it's just my favorite. It's probably my proudest moment. Um, I really kind of have some specific instructions um, in the recipe that if people follow, they turn out to be like the thickest, chewiest. Um, I always say the higher the cookie, the closer to God. Like these <laughs> cookies, like if the dough ball barely shaped uh, shifts its form in the oven, you have done it correctly. And so I love to eat the dough balls out of the freezer or out of, you know, and so I kind of created this cookie that you freeze the dough for about 30 minutes or more or forever, and you pop it right into the oven. So the butter barely melts because when butter melts, that's when you get a really thin, crisp cookie, which is not the kind of cookie that I want. So we're creating these like really soft, chewy cookies. Um, and people, the recipe makes. Like- Oh, is it like the Levain cookies? It's like the Levain cookies. Exactly. Yeah. It's a different taste You're... profile, but yes. I love those. I just yeah, bought those so for my sisters. I'm so excited to eat them this weekend. Yes, they are the best. And I think, you know, I encourage people to take about half, it makes about five dozen. So if you're going to make the cookies, like you should make a ton and then you keep however many you want in the freezer. So if you're like wanting a cookie or two, you just pull them out. The follower today was like, I'm having a really bad day. I just want you to know I ate four cookies for lunch. I was like, amazing <laughs> that's what they're there for i always say they make you the best mom or the best friend because you can just have cookies at any time today um and then the second one is my vodka sauce which is actually kind of a collab recipe with my friend chris um he is a, a chef and a great sort of culinary inspo of mine and he was like we're gonna he's like we have to talk about this vodka sauce so we started chatting and going back and forth and 
the recipe is just like the best vodka sauce and people make it constantly and it's like so thick and so glossy and so delicious and so decadent um but people and also kids are just like devouring this vodka sauce i get so many videos and photos of kids just like covered in vodka sauce and that to (laughs) me is just like the dream like that's all i want is just children drowning in vodka sauce (laughs) oh my god (laughs) i mean i've made the vodka sauce i did make a change to it in that i I added some of the well, it's also a grossy change. I added some of the Calabrian chili pepper spread to it. Oh, 100%. To make it spicy. Yes, you did the right thing. It was so good. It's such good comfort food. Oh my gosh. It's the best comfort food. I make it for people and they're like, I just lost maybe a year of my life, but this was amazing and worth it. So yeah. yeah I really feel like good. that's a good decadent COVID recipe. You're like Friday night, you're like, I can't go anywhere. It's like, I'm gonna oh make God. vodka sauce. Yeah, when I when I tell my roommates we're making the vodka sauce, they are just like they're my, they're like can't contain themselves. Do your roommates ever cook for you? Um, yeah, sometimes my roommates are so adventurous in the kitchen and they're so great and they are they do absolutely yes. I feel they're good like, for like a lunch. I feel like you're such a a good entertainer, and I I know that sometimes I get stressed about having people over for dinner, and I feel like. This winter, at least our plan in our house is like we're, our little quarantine pod is like to have a lot of yeah. dinner parties. So, okay, yeah. you're having friends over for dinner. What is your go-to recipe that is impressive but is easy enough that I won't get stressed? Okay, so oh my gosh, there's so many ways we can go here. All summer, I've Give been me making. Them all. Oh well, so so summer we still have some time. If you can get your hand on some tomatoes and some corn, my summer corn tomato pasta is like, it's just so good. Like people have been making it and being like, I didn't think this was going to, I love this. So like, I didn't think this was going to be that great, but it's actually like incredible and so easy to make. And you could just like make, you know, a ton of it and it's so good and comes together so quickly. And then if we're heading into winter, I mean, there's few things that are better than like a lasagna or an eggplant Parmesan. I just put my eggplant parmesan recipe on the website um, a couple days ago and I you can saw. make it all yes it looks and you so can make good. that in advance and then you can just like heat it up you know and really it gives you so much time before the dinner because you have it in the oven for like four to five minutes an hour people are coming over you pull it out it's hot and you're good to go um the other thing is like meatballs a pot of meatballs with marinara sauce like any of those like Classic Italian-American comfort foods are really the way to go. And then you just really need a salad and a good loaf of bread. It's like so easy, you know, like, and that's like a whole, that's a whole meal, I think. What about shopping and meal planning during COVID? Do you have any tips? I know you have the grocery grocery list on your oh, site, yeah. but what about actual grocery shopping and, and, and meal planning? So <laughs> I feel like, um, right when COVID hit and everyone found out they were going to be working from home, most people went and found like a fuck buddy to have for the entire, <laughs> the entire time. And I just went to the grocery store and stocked my pantry. So I feel like I really <laughs> missed an op- There was some cross lines of communication. So I just was like single and eating the entire time. But my pantry was really sexy and well stocked, um, which was amazing. Um, you have roommates. <laughs> I do have roommates, but they are in a relationship. I, for the first, like, gosh, maybe through July, tried to go to the grocery store once a week and really buy what I needed. Um, and I had really stocked up. Like, I went to, like, four grocery stores the night that they were like, we're going to start working from home. And I had a table in my kitchen that we put up, and it was our pantry table, and it was just, like, full of stuff. And then a couple of my favorite restaurants that I wasn't able to eat at turned into kind of markets or grocery stores, which was super helpful, too, because they had pickup. 
Um, and you can go and get some really good prepared meats or some really great um, produce and things that I really loved. And then I just went to my like local grocery store, which I have kind of like the best superfood town in New York in my backyard, which is great. Um, and people ask me all the time, like for a gro- for an actual grocery list of true groceries and like, I, I, it's hard. Sometimes it's hard, especially even when I'm writing recipes, it's hard for me to get something that comes so naturally to me, like out and on paper. So I'm getting better at that. But I think like some days I would go to the grocery store with a list and some days I just go down every aisle and I barely have to think I just grab what I need. There was something that I was doing in the beginning of COVID, like making a pot of beans or I would, um, I still do this on Sunday. I would like blanch some broccoli raw, boil some potatoes, like make comfy tomatoes, make, um, no crumbs left who's one of my favorite food bloggers make her marinated onions so like you can make eggs or you can make a salad or you can make anything and just throw those ingredients into it and it really got me through those weeks where I was able to you know stretch the groceries and then the other thing is like my number one thing is pasta so like pasta doesn't go bad and, and you could make the easiest pasta with like two ingredients so there was a lot of pasta happening um, during the COVID times. What about repurposing leftovers? I feel like I've seen you do some interesting leftover things because especially cooking for one, I don't mean for this to sound depressing. Like sometimes you make a recipe and you're like, I've had this twice already. I don't want it anymore. I know. I know. I'm like, you know, Bimpy, my king, has taught me how to refresh leftovers like a pro. You know, he grew up in the depression. So he like doesn't, he'll eat like a crumb off the ground because he thinks it's like maybe the end of the world. So there's a lot of things. I have like a pasta frittata. So I take last night's pasta and whip up some eggs and pour it over it and crisp up the pasta and make like a pasta frittata with it, which was really fun and people love. Um, I think that, you know, I don't know if they're like leftovers, but having certain things in the fridge, like some really clean, like um, to make potatoes that you boiled or some vegetables that you blanched. Um, it's really helpful to like have those ingredients. So you can just throw them into anything. Leftovers are like always good for a sandwich. I was making some really good sandwiches. Like I would make a sheet of sausage and peppers. And then the next day I would make a really great sandwich. Um, and I would add some broccoli rob to it. And suddenly I'm like, oh, a vegetable. Where'd that come from? You know, so it just was like sandwiches were big leftover moments. All right, let's take another quick ad break to talk about prose. So prose may be one of my favorite discoveries of 2020. I'm not joking. So I've been using their shampoo and conditioner since June, I think. So it's been about three months and I am fully obsessed. So to catch you up, if you missed this before, Pros creates customized shampoo and conditioner for people, not hair types. So you go on their site and you take this incredibly detailed quiz about your hair. So it asks you some really obvious questions like about your hair texture and your styling routine, but it also asks you less obvious questions like about your workout regimen and it builds in your zip code so that it can take into account lifestyle factors. And then it formulates a unique blend for you based on your answers and your hair goals. So for me, two of the main things that I wanted to do were, one, I wanted less frizz when I air dry my hair, and I also wanted to go longer in between washes without my roots getting oily. And I'm really happy to report that I think we've had success on both fronts. So those were just my personal goals. You can choose from anything about your hair that you want to improve. So the really cool thing is that the algorithm has 50 billion unique formula combinations. So what you get is completely personal to you. 
And I'm just about to run out and I'm really excited to repurchase because it asks you how the products delivered on your goals and then it makes further tweaks if needed and adjusts for seasonal changes. That is so smart. It gets better the longer you use it and I love that. So I'll be honest, I was kind of skeptical going into this. I think it's worth noting that if you're not 100% on the products that you get, they will take them back, no questions asked. And also, Pros is a certified B Corp, which means all their products are sustainably sourced and cruelty-free. And if you have a preference like gluten-free, vegan, etc., they can accommodate that. So Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair quiz and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash B-O-P, that's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash B-O-P for your free in-depth hair quiz and 15% off. Let's get back to the episode. What is your, I'm so tired, it's been the longest day, but I still have to eat dinner meal. Okay, so the best thing you could possibly make it's not my recipe, but I share it, and I've been sharing it for years. It's Marcella Hazan's tomato butter sauce. It is the best. It's a can of uh, 28 ounces of tomato puree or crushed tomatoes, an onion that you cut in half, just in half, and a stick of butter, and you put it in a pot, and you, do not, like, you don't touch it for like an hour to 90 minutes. You let it simmer. The oil or the, um, the butter uh, turns into like a clear liquid. Um, the onion sort of like flavors the sauce and then the tomatoes just kind of chill. When it's all done, you remove the the onion, you stir the butter and the tomato together and you're left with like the best pasta sauce ever. I eat the entire pound of pasta if I let myself. And it's, it's just like the best sauce. And I don't add like herbs. I don't add salt, pepper. I don't like, I add a little cheese, but like it's a perfect three ingredient, set it and forget it recipe that, you can start and it's done in like an hour. Um, especially when you can stay at home and have something on the stove. It's just like, you can't, you just can't do better than tomato butter sauce. Oh, I, that sounds so good. I haven't good tried that like, one yet, but I've seen so many photos. It's really good. I got in trouble because people were like, that's not your recipe. And I was like, I know it's not my recipe. You just need to read the recipe. It talks about how it's not my recipe. But so I have to be careful every time I share it to say that it's Marcella Hazan, who's an Italian cooking goddess um, who we love. Um, But that's kind of what like I, you know, a lot of my stuff is my recipe. It's just a story and a version of what someone else made or taught me how to make. And I think that that's kind of like, that's what we all should be doing. That's the conversations I grew up around were how I call them the Carolyn's and the Maryland's like my mom, her best friend, Marilyn, and then my dad's cousin, Carolyn. And how does Carolyn make her eggplant parmesan? And then wait, what did Marilyn do with her Christmas cookie? And so like so much of what I make is like what Carolyn and Marilyn, how their different versions of what they made have informed the way that I make what I'm making. And so I spent a lot of time actually on the phone with all these like cooks in my family, figuring out like what their variation of what, a uh, classic family recipe was, and then I play off of those. It's really cool. It's been like so much fun. I love that, but that also makes me kind of sad because I feel like I don't share recipes or like cook the same way with my friends. So it's like that sharing is gone. I don't. Maybe I, maybe I need to. I don't know. Well, you can start sharing my recipes with your friends. <laughs> I mean, I already do. They're sick of hearing yeah, about it. What's so crazy to me is that these, I have all these people who DM me and they're like, we had a grossy dinner party and like everyone made one of your recipes and we got together and we're like cooking your food. And I'm like, oh my God, can you invite me next time? That sounds like so fun. Like it's just, it's really gotten people like starting to cook 
for the first time. Or also my favorite thing is when people say, oh my gosh, my grandmother used to make that. My mom used to make that. I wish I could share this with them. And that's why I decided to make my website. It's sort of like a digital cookbook because I was like my website, people, you know, my mom can use a website. A lot of people's aunts, uncles, like they're not great Instagrammers, but they can use a website. So my website kind of is like 2005 in its aesthetic. Like it's really <laughs> simple. It's really straightforward. I was like, I don't need complicated. I just want this website to look like maybe it's sort of old. Um, and people have been using it and loving it and sharing it. And that makes me just like super, super happy. That makes me super happy. It makes me happy to see you having success and people recognizing what a positive ray of sunshine and deliciousness you are. I feel like beyond lucky. Like it's just wild. It's really wild. Help answer another quarantine conundrum for people. We got a ton of questions about what the fuck do you do for lunch when you work from home? Okay. So I early in in quarantine was sharing a lot of pictures of my favorite lunch, which is sardine toast, <laughs> which is like Ooh. such, it's such a controversial thing. Cause like tin fish is so good. Like it's so good for the environment. Like there's so much tin fish out there. It's like full of the right fats. It's like super, super good for you to eat and good for the environment to eat. And I personally think sardines are amazing. So I would take like a piece of bread. I would put like whatever, a million different things on it. And then a sardine on top. And I like, I would get like, no likes like people are like <laughs> people are like this is just like so gross um but it's such good protein and so healthy so i will say sardine toast was is and still is i probably should post one and see what happens now that i have more followers maybe some more sardine enlightened people have joined me but like we you know my roommates and i will make like a big tuna salad or i'll take like last night's roasted chicken and make like a chicken salad i do a lot of toast like a piece of bread i also like my mom was yelling at me like on, visibly on Instagram because I was eating a lot of um, rice cakes um, with like, you know, something on it like avocado or like Calabrian chili spread. And she was like, why are you eating rice cakes? Like I didn't raise you to eat rice cakes. And I was <laughs> like, mom, like rice cakes are great. Like I love a rice cake. I, I think that they're like so good. Um, or like eggs, you know, my sister yells at me because she says I just put eggs on everything and that's all I do. Um, but yeah, I love to put an egg on some pasta, you know, feels like healthy somehow. Um, but I've never been like hashtag meal prep person. I tried to do that, but it's like, I don't know, especially when I'm at home, I like to kind of scrounge around and see what I have. So you're like repurposing. Cause that's the thing that I can't do is like, I can't commit to cooking twice a day. Like no, lunch totally. needs to and be easy. Also, I need to do this again because people were getting sick of it. But when I made the beans, like if you make a pot of beans, you could make like pasta fuzzle from them. You could make soup. You could put beans on toast. You can smash them and make like a bean spread. You can make a cold bean salad. Like beans were such a moment. Um, and they will be again for fall. I just had to step away from the bean situation um, just for some new stuff. But yeah, beans are a huge, huge thing that you can have as well. Some people also don't love beans, but... Beans are amazing. Do you guys like beans? I like beans, but not solo beans. Like if you were like, here's a side of beans, I would be like, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I love green beans. I actually made this. Allison Roman had a like a white bean salad, and I made that during quarantine, and I liked it. Yeah, but yeah. It's not something I seek out. She's definitely got the bean situation on lock, um, as do a lot of a lot of chefs. It's sort of become a popular thing. Um, but yeah, it's a good one. But I. You have such a good collection of cookbooks. A beautiful yeah, collection. So beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. A rainbow collection. Yes. 
What would you say are the ones that you cook the most from? Okay. So I really had to think about this because I look at them a lot. Um, and I actually do cook a lot. And some of my favorite ones when people ask me are on the grocery list. So my friend Carla, who works at Bon Appetit, she came out with a cookbook, I think a year or so ago. It's called Where Cooking Begins. And I think it's so beautiful. And I think that it's so um, helpful because she has a lot of like, she'll have the recipe and then she has ways that you can spin it or shift it. So uh, most of my questions are like, what's a good substitute for this? Or I don't have this, but I have that. Can I use it? Um, and I just love that like people think I, I can I can give them the authority to do that. Um, but really it's like, it's great because you open up the recipe and then you're like, all right, here's what's in my pantry. And she literally says like pantry items. And she's like, here's what you need to get at the market. And then here's different ways you can swap things in and out. So I think it's really helpful. And I love just like thinking about, you know, how she's doing that. She actually sent me her cobbler recipe the other day and I was going to make it when I was on vacation, but I was out of, I didn't have a food processor, but she was like, will you try this with peaches? Because then maybe I'll add it to my website or my uh, next cookbook. Um, so that book is amazing. It's called Where Cooking Begins. I also have forever been um, into the Barefoot Contessa cookbooks. Um, my favorite ones are on the site, but her recipes, I love them because they're just like crowd pleasers. Like you make them mm -hmm. and everyone's just like, I, I aspire to be sort of like in that vein of comfort food. Um, and the way that she sort of speaks about her food and the way that she cooks is very much the way that's kind of inspired me to do what I'm doing. There's also a restaurant called the River Cafe in London, which a lot of my favorite restaurants in San Francisco, there's a restaurant called Zuni and then also- uh, I a love the Zuni chicken. Yes, the Zuni chicken is, yeah, I have that cookbook. Um, we'll make a Zuni chicken together, maybe. Uh, um, I would love that. And then there's a restaurant my friend Jessica owned in Bar, um, in San Francisco called Bar Jewels for years. And she, that was like, I lived there. Um, she cooked at the River Cafe. So they have these gorgeous cookbooks and you can kind of only find them in like on like Etsy at this point. Um, they just released their 30th anniversary cookbook and it is the most beautiful cookbook ever. And I actually went to the River Cafe two years ago in London for the first time with my friend Philip, who is living there. And he actually, like, for my birthday that year, framed the receipt from our dinner and gave it to me as a birthday present, which is, like, he gives the best presents. Um, but that's actually a really good idea. If you ever have, like, a really lovely dinner, like, framing the receipt from the dinner, like, I was, like, sobbing. Like, that made me so happy. That's um, so nice. Yeah, it was really, really beautiful. So the River Cafe cookbooks for, like, really classic, um, simple Italian is, like, a dream. So those are kind of my three... And a lot of my friends are writing cookbooks right now. So I'm excited for those to come out soon. So those will be on my favorite list, I'm sure. So the next time when you come back, you can recommend those. I will, for sure. Well, wait, you're also really into vintage cookbooks. Tell me about that. Also, where do you find them? <sighs> okay, so I like so much of what I love is like these cookbooks that like my high school had a cookbook and it was like an Italian-American town. So it's like, you know, it's all these like charity cookbooks that like, millions of moms get together and they're like, let's raise money. And I love because it's like, there's four recipes for lasagna in the book. And it's like, of course they weren't going to tell Maria one that Maria two's recipe was better than Maria three's and four's. So all of the Maria's lasagna recipes are still in the book and they're <laughs> off. They're like fucking off by like one ingredient. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, and there's all these, there's like these crazy, like I bought some this weekend when I was upstate and there's like these crazy recipe titles. Like one is like, this is great for breakfast and dinner. That was the title of the recipe. Like, I was like, what? And what there was, was one it? that's like, I think it was like hash browns. It was like, ultimately it was like hash browns. So um, they're just like the weirdest because they're all just like written by like a group of like 
aunts and moms and grandmas, right? My grandmother, some of her best recipes are in these like church cookbooks or these like all these like fundraiser cookbooks. And like, they just have the weirdest ingredients. So I actually go to them for inspiration because I'm like, this is so the vibe of what I'm trying to like bring forward and modernize. So I take a lot of cues from them and play off of those. Like I did um, Italian Easter rice pies and I did all this research and there was like four different variations from like the same base of like a rice pie. So I ended up making my recipe. It was kind of like choose your own adventure. You could make like cherry chocolate or you could make pineapple or you could make cinnamon and whatever. And so I kind of was able to develop the recipe so that you could do that. And I really took the most popular from all the books I found, um, which was really super cool. I'm having so much fun. Someday when I write a book, one of them will be based on kind of that idea of sort of like the modern version. You know, they're all like spiral bound and like- I remember them from school. Totally. I mean, like I may end up printing my first cookbook at Kinko's if like that's what it comes to because it'll actually have the correct aesthetic of what I want. Oh my God, I would love that. Yeah, I'm like convinced I'll probably have to print my own book, um, which could be really fun. But also Rooney, who's my designer for my website and my t-shirts, we took a lot of inspiration from those really cool graphics, like those weird kind of like old school vintage graphics from the books too. So they've really inspired what I'm trying to stand for um, in, in a big way. And I, and I had a ton of them. Like my dad and Bimpy sent me a ton. And now I have followers who are sending me some. Like oh, I a, love a that. follower sent me this beautiful box of like her and her elderly neighbors books. And then she, she like, Oh my God, she sent like four um, little napkins that her neighbor had like hand embroidered. Like they were just like so beautiful. Like people are so lovely. So I have a growing collection of those books, which is amazing. So outside of your, um, cook your forthcoming cookbook printed at kinko's designed by like the paper clip from ms clip art um, exactly. so, so literally <laughs> so many people wanted to know if you're working on something would you ever write a cookbook so i've always wanted to like write a cookbook it's always been a dream i didn't realize it was ever an option until probably the past like year like i kind of went into um 2020 thinking like if in my free time i should start writing a book just because like whatever it'll be a great creative outlet I, last year I suffered some losses I was buying a house upstate and I lost it at the last minute and then my favorite uncle who was like my best friend passed away very unexpectedly so I was like I need to like focus on some good stuff in 2020 and one of those was really focusing on food and seeing what I could do so I've been jotting down stuff and then now that I have this website like that's kind of my cookbook and it's getting me to like write and really think about what my style of writing is um and actually how I want to like live in this sort of food world. It's been great. And um, people are really like feeling, I get a lot of like, it feels like when I read your recipe, like you're right there with me in the kitchen. And I feel like that's been really like a big unlock for me. So I'm hoping to try and like continue that. And then I also feel, I mean, I always say that I'm like the ultimate Pinterest mom, but I'm like a gay man. So (laughs) like my sort of like books are kind of like, one is like family recipes and one is like, how are we going to do the holidays in this way that's like, easy, fun, simple, and kind of like next level. So I'm sort of like categorizing things that way. I have a lot of ideas. No, I don't have a book deal, but I have a lot of ideas. So we'll see. We're rooting for you to get a book deal. I feel like people are always like, um, you should make a movie out of rom-com pods. And I'm like, that'd be really great. I need, I need some help. I feel like it's the same thing with the cookbook where you're like, I would love to. Do you, do you know anyone? No, no, no. Absolutely. Like people are like, you should have a YouTube. You should have a TV show. You should have a product line. You should. And I was like, I have a like obvious like clearly all of those things are on my list of things I want to do. I would I would love to like thank you. That's a great idea. I'm so like let's 
do, do you want to come film my YouTube channel? Like, <laughs> yeah. let's, you know, like I, I'm working two jobs right now, basically for no reason. Like I'm just, I love this cooking thing. So it's amazing, but I don't make money off of it. So someday maybe that'll happen. We'll see. It's not because you don't want to do it. No. It's absolutely. not because you're withholding your cookbook from the world. Yeah. No, I know. I don't have like secret cookbooks written. I'm the most like, the second I have an idea, it's like in the New York Times. So, well, <laughs> only because I paid for it, not because I want it. <laughs> Wait, yeah. so let's talk a little bit about the broader cooking world. Yes. We want to know, what do you think are the most overrated and underrated food trends of the past decade or just even this year, just in general? This is really funny because I love these. Like, I always think about my mom because my mom is such an amazing cook, but she also gets caught up in like mom food shit. Like, I remember like the portobello mushroom craze. Oh, God. Where it was like, oh, like the, you know, I'm not going to get a burger. I'm going to get a portobello mushroom burger. And I would be like, that sounds so gross. Like, what? Oh. You know, and I was like an angsty, like 16 year old. But like, I just love those things that it's like, you know, balsamic vinegar like it was like that came out of nowhere and suddenly everything had balsamic vinegar in it so like I view them through this kind of like really funny like things that my mom would love and then she would go to a restaurant and be like I'm gonna try and make a portobello mushroom at home and then she'd be talking to her friends and I was like what where did this come from and why is it in my life um (laughs) those things you know like those things really make crack me up but in general like I would never like invalidate a food trend like I think I'm so not like that like I think it's great like the kale salad trend, the kale Caesar salad trend. Like I talk about it on my website for my like um, garlicky citrus dressing because I love, I was eating a kale salad, kale Caesar salad, like every night of the week. Like that was a dream. So I'm not immune to food trends. Like I thought that was great and I still make them. So all in all, I think food trends are amazing and I love trends in general. A lot of what I do in work involves trends and like understanding where things come from. So um I don't think they're underrated or overrated. I just am like abused by them. And I love watching to see where they they land and who's talking about what, you know? I mean, I think if I'm reading between the lines, I think your underrated one might be sardine toast. Yeah, that's I was going to say. That's underrated. Um, I really just want people to like try it. Maybe I'll make some and see what happens. Whatever. You guys got to tell me when this podcast airs. And then I'm going to post some sardine toast and I'm going to see what your followers think. So it airs... Next Wednesday. I don't know that I'm sold on sardine toast, but I I wish you the best with it. Thank you. Sardines are also just like gorgeous. They're like inherently like metallic and iridescent. Like they're just gorgeous. I have to disagree, but I appreciate (laughs) your passion. (laughs) Godspeed with your cookbook and your sardine toast, sir. Grace, you're like your deadpan, like just delivery is just so good. I love it. Would love to see a cookbook. We'll skip through this pictures and recipes with sardines. Okay. Other, there's another person I follow that loves anchovies and everything. And I just, I, I did it. I put the anchovies in my pasta sauce and it was fine, but I don't know. I love anchovies. So here's the thing. Anchovies are salt. Like the visual of an anchovy is brutal, but like they're just salt. Like I have um, a pizza recipe. It's Bimpy's kind of like pizza recipe that I sort of modernized. And it's like a sheet pan, like grandpa pizza and or grandma pizza. It, the sauce, I just make in a blender. You blend tomatoes, basil, olive, um, garlic, and anchovies in a blender. If I didn't tell you that there was anchovies in it, you would have no idea. But the like depth of flavor that you get from throwing a few anchovies in the blender is like next level. So I think like that kind of anchovy is like a little bit more approachable. Like a visible anchovy is very hard for people. And I get that. 
So. Yeah, I don't mind a hidden anchovy. Yeah. Yeah, hidden is fine. Like ground up in a Caesar salad dressing, but totally. floating on top of a Caesar salad? Yeah. Fuck no. No, thank you. Yeah, I get it. So we probably would feel the same about sardines. Sardines, sardines are, are meatier. Like much bigger. Yeah. They're like Ugh. big. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like more solid of a fish, yeah. too. Okay, wait. We're in a fictional world with no COVID. What yes. would be your ideal eating out day around New York City or Brooklyn? I guess like we're being really gluttonous. We're having our best three meals. Like we're dying tomorrow, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Where are you going? So I am like, you know, I used to yell at my dad and my grandfather because we would go to like two restaurants my entire childhood. It was like the places and I knew they knew the owner and they were treated well and they like had their, they like had their situation. And I'd be like, can we just go somewhere else? And now I'm like every city I live in, I have my places. So I think I would just go to my places and some of them are starting to actually open up, but like number one breakfast, like the best breakfast in Brooklyn or I think New York city is at uh, my friend Renato's restaurant called Chow Gloria. It's in, um, Prospect Heights, and they have the best breakfast sandwich. It's like egg, bacon, and it has like this like chili, Calabrian chili kind of like aioli on it, and oh, like yum. a brioche bun. I mean, I tell people to go there, and it's one of the places where like that breakfast sandwich changed my life. Thank you so much. And then they have the best pastries, and everything's just like perfect. And you can actually go there now and pick up and eat in the front or in the back of the building that they're in. Has a really nice like outdoor seating area. Um, so that's an incredible breakfast, number one, and I actually can walk there from my house. Um, <clears throat> I think for lunch, so my favorite lunch, and this isn't really like, I don't know if you could nail this all in one day, but like Jack's Wife Frida has been, I know it's like such a popular trendy thing and it has been for a while, but I used to go to them like four, four days a week when I lived in the West Village. I was their first customer in their West Village location. They call me Iced Tea Dan because they always just like know that I want an iced tea and they have it ready for me as soon as I sit down. <laughs> Oh my god! I have gosh. my like table there, um, and their um, kale, their kale Greek kale salad with chicken on top um, is just like my dream. Like it's the best salad I think, um, and the owners are amazing, and it's just like such a good vibe, and I love them. So I would say Jack's by Frida for lunch, and then um for dinner there's a family of restaurants and i actually am now friends with the owners of their there's one called hearts which is in brooklyn which has like the best dinner it's incredible bon appetit actually named them one of the best new restaurants in the country the year they opened a couple years ago are they, they open also now? Have a, they're not open they're doing groceries so if mm. you follow me you know that i pick up groceries from there a lot and they're sort of staying alive that way but so that that is like the covid dream if they were open but their sister restaurant, which is a block away, is called The Fly, which is like a bar, but they have like a very small bar menu, which is like rotisserie chicken, potatoes, french fries, the perfect Caesar salad. Like it's unreal. I've been eating there like twice a week. Um, and you just pick it up and take it to go or you can sit in front. They just have tables. There's no service. They have really good drinks. It's incredible when they're open regularly. It's still incredible now. Um, so that's like my dream food situation yeah okay. a lot of times i go to the fly like pre-covid i would go to the fly for dinner and then i would walk to hearts and they have the best olive oil cake like Ooh. the best i've actually been meaning to ask the owners if they would let me share it because their olive oil cake it's unreal Ooh. yum wait right. so say that you're having a fictional dream dinner party <laughs> what five people living or dead would you invite and then what would you cook Okay, so you guys kind of asked me to prepare for this one, and I'm having a hard time. I'm just going to put it out there. Um, five people 
is a lot um, to come up with for the answer, but I'm just going to start and see where we go. Okay. So the first person that I would invite is the Emperor Hadrian. Um, he was the gay emperor, uh, a gay emperor. I'm sure most of the emperors are probably gay. Um, he has Hadrian's Villa, which I went to many times when I lived in Rome for a year in college. Hadrian's Villa is like the Epcot center of Rome, of like ancient Rome. What he did was he traveled all over his empire and he would like sketch his favorite buildings. And then he went back to his villa and he built them like miniature versions of them very much like Epcot center would be like Japan and China. It's like these like small versions of his favorite places around the empire, which is like, I'm obsessed with that idea. Also he was gay, which we're obsessed with. Also his like lover was drowned in his like reflection pool oh. on his villa. And it's just like all this drama by like, there was like, there's an incredible story. So Hadrian, the gay emperor who basically built the original Epcot center. Okay. I need to know like so much from him. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, when I went, was at RISD, I did my senior like thesis about kind of like this idea of like the amusement park and this like recreation of like Las Vegas or Disney world or like, how do you go to a place and then recreate it somewhere else? And like, what are the like essential elements you have to use to build it? So I feel like Hadrian and then I was like, Walt Disney needs to be there because the two of them could have this like conversation because Walt Disney is creating like fantasy worlds that are based on other places um, for the most part, a la Epcot Center. So I feel like if Hadrian and Walt Disney were at dinner together, I would just be like so happy because they would really have a lot to talk about. I like that you're also taking into consideration who your dinner party guests want to talk to. That's so generous of you. Like, that's what I do with all my dinner parties, because it's like the conversation at dinner parties. My uncle Tony, who was like, such a character, he would always say this Italian phrase, it's nessuno fa vecchio su tavola, which means no one gets old at the table. And it's this idea that like, when you're sitting down and you're eating, time stops. Don't be in a rush. Just like, let it happen. When I was a kid, I was so fidgety. I was like, are we done? Can I get up? Like, as all kids do. And he would always yell that at me. And of course, he was like, drunk. But it was like, as I got older, I was like, I get what drunk Uncle Tony was saying. He was saying, like, chill out, enjoy the conversation, enjoy the meal. Like, time has literally stopped while you're sitting and eating. So that's kind of like always my dream state for dinner parties. Um, I love that. So maybe Uncle Tony should come, although he was, when he got drunk, it wasn't a great moment at the dinner table. Who else would I invite? Oh, gosh, I don't know. This is so hard. I mean, I think Bimpy just, like, needs to be there. Bimpy's still alive. That's what I was going to say. I was, like, shocked that Bimpy was number one. And the reason why you're probably, like, oh, well, you have dinner with Bimpy all the time. It's, like, yes, I do in Connecticut at his house, although I haven't seen him since February, which is so sad. But getting my family to bring Bimpy here has been a bit challenging, and it's something that I've really wanted to sort of share back the gifts he's given to me and to cook for him. So having Bimpy, and then I would say that my uncle Phil, who passed away on Halloween, Bimpy's son, they have like, they lived together their whole life. Like it's just been really a tough year for the family. So I think having him at the table um, again with Bimpy would, um, well, now I'm going to start crying. Um, I think that would be something that would just be amazing. So (laughs) Hadrian, Walt Disney, Bimpy, Uncle Phil, I think that's kind of that might be enough. I know. Um, oh well, I know. I know. I actually would want to cook with. Oh, okay. She so she's stay. helping in back. She could she's stay. back of house. Like I think she would be like a very yeah. She's she's not back. I mean, Ina's like eternally front of house for me. But um, yeah, I don't know. And then what would I make? I mean, like my classic. Like people are like, I want to eat your meatballs. I want to eat. I want to eat your meatballs. I want meatballs. I haven't posted the official recipe. It's coming soon. 
It's on my highlights for those of you who are listening. I don't give amounts, but I'm going to start giving amounts. It's very hard for me to put amounts against meatball right now, but I'm working on it. Um, and so I think it would be like pasta. I would make my grandma Catherine's homemade cavadels, which are like the most delicious pasta, which I'm also working on a recipe for. I have a whole list of things I'm working through. So that would kind of be the dinner, the dinner party. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I wish I could have it. So to end it on, we got so many requests for bimpy stories. Do you have like a bimpy highlight story that is just classic bimpy? There's like a million. I mean, Bimpy is just a storyteller. So like, I think the most powerful Bimpy experience for me, I'll, I'll give you like a funny one. The, the first one is a little bit like sad, but like my grandmother passed away, Bimpy's wife, like 15 years ago. And when Italian when people die in Italian families, it's like my grandmother died on like a Thursday, which means we couldn't have the services until Monday or Tuesday. So the entire weekend was just like, meat trays, lasagnas, like food, people coming to my house. And my mom had recently sort of like left my dad. So I was sort of being like in mom mode. So I was like grabbing lasagnas out of people's hands, opening meat trays. And people were calling Bimpy and being like, Bimpy, like, what can I do to, you know, like, can I donate to something or do you need anything? And he was like, just send a meat tray or a lasagna. Like that was just like, it was like, I was like, what? Like we don't need more food. So there was just like so much food. But the, the thing that was really beautiful, like this man who lost his wife, they were married for like 67 years, sat at the head of the dining table for like literally three days and just entertained everyone. Like he was the source of like comfort and joy for everyone who was like suffering this loss of like the matriarch of our family. And that was a moment that I was like otherworldly for me to experience. Um, and that was really, really amazing. And that's kind of at the core of what Bimpy does. Like he has jokes. He has stories. He tells the same story constantly. I call him constantly for recipes. He tells me the same recipe over and over again, and he's just so happy to do it. And that to me is like, those are the things that I want to bring forward and tell people in what I'm doing. Um, and that's, and it's been really hard to not see him. Um, my favorite, my favorite sort of like funny thing is like, I'll, I would call Bimpy and be like, Bimp, like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, make, I just made a hundred meatballs. You know, like, that's like <laughs> what we're talking about. Like he's making a hundred meatballs. For who? And you're like, for who? Well, he's got like five freezers in his oh, okay. basement. So for future Bimpy. They're, they're just full of everything. Like we used to joke that there was like dead bodies in the freezers because we're like, what? what's in there? Like, why do you need? But he loves a deal. He goes to the grocery store. He has his coupons. He buys like mass of whatever's cheap and then he freezes it for like whenever. It's He's just classic, like hysterical. So that's like a Bimpy rundown. But I have a million stories. I love that. He has more. He has I can't wait more. until yeah. you can be reunited with Bimpy post-COVID and we can get Bimpy Instagram stories. Real time so Bimpy. I, I, took, I took people like in February down to Bimpy's basement kitchen and like it was people's minds were blown. Like they were like, I can't even like what is going on. But I was like, doesn't everyone have a kitchen in their basement? No, like, you said this as if it was such a common thing. I've literally never seen or heard of this. Yeah, I mean, Italians are not cooking in their traditional kitchen. They're doing it like Bimpy's basement is like a New York City bodega in one room. Cans, 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 like everything non-perishable. He's like stocked because he only shops twice a year at the can-can sale at ShopRite where everything's like so cheap. So it's like can-can sale. I grew up every Sunday morning. My dad, Bimpy would come over on Sunday morning with a loaf of Italian bread and the like five newspapers and him and my dad would cut coupons for hours and I would like eat an entire loaf of bread like that was normal and no one cared and we would just hang out and like that was what they did and so Bimpy is like his entire life is around grocery shopping he's still hang like pre-covid I have an Instagram from like 
November where Bimpy would go to the grocery store and he would spend sit, like five hours there. He would hang out in the cafe at ShopRite and he would hang out with his friends. And that was his social life. It was the best thing ever. I love so, that. Yeah. Bimpy's like a national treasure. I told my dad, I was like, okay, just wrap Bimpy in saran wrap and put him in the freezer. We'll defrost him in like the fall when COVID's over. (laughs) I think he would like that actually. So yeah, so hopefully I'll see him soon. I might go and have like a stand six feet away from him soon because I just got a car. So that'll make it easier. I love that. Dan, you've been the best guest. This has lived up to and exceeded all of my hopes and dreams and expectations. But (laughs) in- In the tradition of our podcast, you have earned your very own desperation minute to tell people where they can follow you, what they can do to help you, anything you want to brag about. Whoa, I didn't know that this was a thing. I'm so sorry. It's probably horrible that I admitted that. It's a desperation minute. You can say that my whole sort of life is desperation life, but I'm constantly self-promoting. Okay, so um, you can find me on um, Instagram at Pelosi. Um, my website is danpelosi.com. It has all my recipes thus far that have been uploaded and I'm more to come. You can go to the grocery list, which has a lot of my favorite things that people ask about. And there's some offer codes as well. I'm working on getting more. Um, you can also donate to Sage, which is the organization where the money from the teas goes, which supports LGBTQ elders and their life, um, the quality of life. You can also donate to the Okra project, which is, um, an organization that provides culturally specific meals to black trans uh, people uh, across, around the country, um, which would be great. And then you can purchase the teas directly on my website. It's the first thing you see. There's this two shell pasta. Um, I have teas um, and I just did a tote and a hoodie and um, some stuff for kids and baby. And that money will also, all the proceeds go to Sage. Um, and then I'm working on a Pinterest page. So keep your eyes mm-hmm. open because Pinterest is my next frontier which is super exciting because at heart, I'm a Pinterest mom. So <laughs> I, feel like I, really, I feel like I yeah. really stressed you out, but you did great. <laughs> yeah, I you mean, did great. Everyone go do all the things. Yeah. I mean, I have so many of your followers have fo- started following me and they're the best. And like, totally. I told Grace a while ago, I was like, I think we have the same follower. Like, I think the, my dream follower is y'all's follower. So, so if you haven't followed yes. Dan yet, get on Grossy Pelosi. Let's do yeah. it. Let's do it. All I right. currently have 77% female followers, so let's make it like 80. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Uh, I'm just basking in the afterglow of my newfound friendship with Grossy Pelosi. Um, I'm so happy. I love him. I also love that our listeners thought that you should date him. Yes, they did. Sorry to break it to you. I, I don't think that's in the cards for us. No. Due to our preferences. <laughs> So let's talk about obsessions. Oh, okay. So on Instagram, I discovered this account through Ashley Spivey. So it's I a- discovered it too from Ashley Spivey. I know. I saw it. I really want to do it. I haven't actually tried it yet. But so their Instagram is called Punk Post Co. P U N K P O S T C O. And it's basically the service where you write a thank you note to somebody, or I mean, it could be any kind of note. She was talking about it like a thank you note, but it could be anything. And then an artist hand draws your note with like little illustrations and like cool lettering. It is so cool. Like I love getting not Bill's mail, like personal mail. And I feel like this would be so special. I want to do this for a bunch of friends during COVID. I just feel like it would be so cool to get. And I've, I've been following them on Instagram and I'm like getting even more excited. It's really cute. 
I saw it's funny because I saw in the outline you would put that and I was like, oh, my God, because I was thinking I was going to do that as mine. But I have two. I one is Michelle Armas 007. She's an artist. Her stuff is incredible. I kind of recently rediscovered her because my sister sent me one of her Instagram stories where her daughter was barking out the window at a at a bunch of dogs. It was really funny. And she's also a talented artist. My sister has a couple of her pieces. And like, I, I think it's more my sister's taste than mine. My taste in art is like a little bit more modern, but I really like her work. The other one um, was recommended to me on my Instagram. I had put out the call for new people to follow. And one of the recommendations was this girl, Carla Reed. Um, Her handle is K-A-R-L-A-R-E-E-D. And she just has like really classic style, but it's affordable. And she shows like really cute ways to wear different things. And I just think she seems very down to earth, very honest. I like her. Ooh, I'll have to check her out. I've never heard of her either. Yeah. So those are those are mine. What about on the yeah. non-Instagram obsession side? My obsession this week, what is my obsession? I've been getting sent a lot of vote tees, as have you. Um, so the first one was one of our listeners has a company called SW Designs. And she sent us the cutest embroidered t-shirts and sweatshirts that just say vote, vote, vote. And then also Jess Keys worked with Alice in Wonder Boutique to design a really colorful boat tee, which I'm wearing right now. Um, Becca has it too. It's just really cute. And I mean, I'm all about encouraging people to vote and it's fun having cute ways to do that. Oh, and I have another vote tee from a brand called Camelin Beth. I have a roundup of all sorts of vote inspired merchandise on my site, but there's just so many cute things. I'm very into voting as a fashion aesthetic. Yeah. What about you? I have two. So one, you are partly responsible for. So I switched to the brand of coffee that I drink at home. And I'm an at-home coffee drinker. Like I've always been. COVID has not really affected me. I, I need coffee before I can leave my house usually. Yeah, same. So a couple months ago, you gave me a couple bags of partners coffee that somebody had sent you, but it was whole bean and you didn't have a grinder. And I do. Yeah, I only use the Nespresso machine, so I don't even have I don't even have like a French press for regular coffee. So you gave it to me and it's their Brooklyn roast and Ooh. I finally tried it. It is so good. Oh, good. And I was really excited. I loved it. I like drank it and I was like every morning I was like this is such a treat. This is such good coffee. And then I didn't realize it, but I saw it at Whole Foods the other day, so I bought more and I'm so happy. I don't even remember giving you this, but I'm glad I did. I'm glad too. So That I'm very excited about. And then the second thing is that I started a new show that I'm very into called Episodes. So I've been looking for shows that have like a few seasons to like just get into. And I can't, I saw this recommended somewhere online and it's, it started in 2011 and I ran until 2017. And it's about this British show that they're bringing to the US. And it kind of seems like it's the show from hell. Like it just gets totally bastardized. Like they're trying to make the, like the American version of The Office. But like the show is so different from what it was in the UK. And the star of the show, both the fictional TV show in the show and the real one is Matt LeBlanc from Friends. And he plays this like awful fake version of himself who's like total womanizer, kind of an alcoholic. Like it's hilarious. I'm so into it. It's such a delight. Oh, that's great. It sounds interesting. I literally never heard it. Did you like Friends? Yeah. 
Like, would there be nostalgia for you there? Yeah. I think if you like liked Friends and like there would be nostalgia in watching a fictional Matt LeBlanc, then yeah, you'll like it. Okay. I'm into it. Great. What about reading? Reading. I have not really done any reading this week because I've been literally like working until really late. And then I like get, I become like dead to the world and I put on a movie or Nancy Myers because it like cheers me. I am reading Heart and Bones by Colleen Hoover. And you guys know that Becca and I both love Colleen Hoover. She wrote Verity. She wrote, I've read almost all of her books. They're all fantastic. So this one, I'm about 30% through and it deals with this girl. She kind of grows up in Kentucky in a trailer park. Her mom is a drug addict and her mom dies. And it's like so sad because the mom is like really like a terrible person and is like just is addicted to drugs, has stolen all of the the money that the the girl's father has sent. Like it's bad. So the girl picks up and moves to Texas where the dad is. And it kind of is giving me what is that series that you and I read a long time ago where the the guy takes in the girl who's a paper princess. Yes. It reminds me of paper princess a little bit, but I think it's going to go in a total different direction. It's just like the girl who like, like doesn't trust anyone and is really traumatized moves into this house. And like she has a sister, but there's these two boys that live next door and they're all like hanging out together. So I don't know how it's going to, what's going to happen because Colleen Hoover, it's either a love story or there's abuse or there's a murderer. I'm like, is this people keep DMing me and they're like, is this a thriller or a romance? And I literally don't know. You're like, what's going to happen with the boys next door? Are they going to murder each other? Are they going to fall in love? Both? Yeah. So all I want to do is read this book and I'm going to read it when I'm at the lake this weekend, but I just want to sit and read it, but I haven't had time. I can't wait. Well, I'm excited to hear the final review, and I want it if it's good. Yeah, I'll give it to you. I bought it. I haven't bought a book in so long because we have like piles and piles of books, and I bought so many um, awesome books after Tracy came on the podcast. So it's like no more buying books, but I had to buy Colleen Hoover. Well, I've still been buying books. So I – in a change of pace, I feel like lately – I've been not reading at all, and you've been reading a ton. I read a a lot this weekend while I was having my shut-in weekend. So I finished King's County by David Goodwillie, and that's the book about the indie music scene in Brooklyn in the early 2010s. It kind of feels like a music scene version of Sweet Bitter. If that sounds up your alley, you would probably be into it. What I did not realize is that there's kind of a murder. There's like a mystery element that comes in in the second half, which I I was not expecting. So you need I, to give me this. Yeah, I'll trade you. So I, I finished this one and I really enjoyed it. Um, it's a little bit more literary and it is longer. So just heads up. But I did really enjoy it. And I think if you liked Writers and Lovers or if you liked Sweet Bitter, this one like might be up your alley. So then I read this book called The Mall by Megan McCafferty. And Megan McCafferty wrote my favorite books from when I was a teenager. She wrote The Sloppy Firsts, the Jessica Darling series. And I loved those books so much. I don't think she's written a ton since I was a teenager. There was a fifth book in that series that came out like in the last five or 10 years. Um, But she wrote this new book called The Mall. And it's set in 1991. And it is the exact same feeling as watching an episode of Saved by the Bell. So the entire book takes place in a mall. Oh, wow. It is like so 90s. It is. I loved it. It was like 
brain candy, the definition of brain candy, like nostalgic for your childhood brain candy. I loved that it. That sounds great. I loved it. I read it in one day. I was I was so into it. So then I started Destination Wedding by Dick Shabasu, and that Grace passed along to me after she read it. And I'm I'm only about 50 pages in, but I really think I'm going to like it. I really like the main character, and she's kind of like sarcastic and like, I don't know, I just really relate to her view on life. And so I'm very excited to read more because I'm I'm already enjoying it. I love the main character in that book. Like I wanted to be friends with her. <laughs> so if you need something to read, we also have our September book club coming up and we're reading Majesty, which is the second book in the American Royals series. So pick that up and we're going to discuss it the last Wednesday in September. And we're going to have Katie McGee join us, who's the author, hopefully, um, she is very close to her due date, so hopefully baby holds out and she can come on the episode. Um, and we're so excited to talk about this book because it was a ride. Yes. Um, and that's what we got for you. We'll see you next week. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.